turn this up in our headphones, Charles. Woo! Turning it up! Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Ah, yes, we use the plural yet again. We have another friend on the show today. We are... Honored to be joined by a fantasy blogger extraordinaire, Peter the Swordsmith. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on today. Uh, it's it's amazing to be uh, on here with you both, and you you, you know you're, you're going to make me blush if you uh, if you, ex- you refer to me as, a, as a, an extraordinaire again. Um, <laughs> uh, that's um, and it, it really is it's an honor to be with you here both. Uh, the honors all ours, Peter. Uh, Peter the Swordsmith is the moniker that he goes by on his blog. He reviews all kinds of novels in the fantasy genre. I caught his review of The Poppy War most recently, and I'm sure we could have a whole hour-long discussion uh, <laughs> about that. But in- instead of that, we are here talking the Raiero revelations. <laughs> but before we get too far into it, Peter, would you like to take a moment just to introduce yourself, explain a little bit more about what you do and where people can find you? Sure. Um I think well, most people will will know me on Twitter by my moniker of uh, at Eldratzi fifty six. Um, it goes back to my love of the Magic the Gathering card game. Um, and for those who follow my blogging work, find me on the uh, the Swordsmith blog, um, which along with my assistant editor Vesner, um, we review some very Sometimes some very exciting, very interesting, but cool sci-fi and fantasy books. Yes. All right, guys. Highly recommend checking it out. And when we, you know, we've we've had a couple back and forths on the Twitter sphere now, and we had discovered this. You know, we were talking about some of our favorite fantasy series of all time, and one of the series that we both had this mutual fascination with and th- and that's Dylan me and Peter we all kind of were able to relate to the Raira revelations by Michael J Sullivan so we thought you know let's take this conversation to the show and let's go ahead and and have this discussion and we decided to make it a spoiler free discussion so that we can recommend it to people and bring in people who maybe have heard of the series but haven't given it a try yet so what we're going to do here is just kind of gush about the Raira revelations talk about why we love it so much and yeah it's super exciting and I don't think there is any other place to start except talking about our main cast here of Royce and Adrian this is a duo that in the fantasy community gets brought up time and time again of like the best example of a buddy duo in fantasy the best friendship in fantasy and it's on the short list for myself as well uh Peter how if you could describe, I had read your your post on this when you talked about your favorite series. What makes Royce and Adrian just jump off the page and make makes it everyone's go to for best fantasy duo? 
Why? Well, when you first read the uh, the book, that the, Royce and Hadrian are in a situation, and it's summed up for me in the opening pages when Hadrian turns to Royce and simply says, "Sorry," to mm. him, oh. and it, 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 the situation kind of escalates from there. But they, you, the, the wonderful thing about them is how they they rely on each other and how they know each one's sort of strengths and weaknesses and what they can do well and certainly what they can't do which is is so important for the (laughs) um the stories i agree completely it's one of those things where a lot of times the best like when you just listen to two people that have been friends for so long and you just listen to them banter back and forth you really get the sense like you're become almost like a part of it you've become implicit to their your their bantering their jokes to each other and even just the implication of oh i'm sorry it's like oh this has happened before that you know they're kind of in this together and it's just it's one of those things that it makes it so full of charm yeah um it, it is it is charming. It's it's wonderful. And one of the things I, I have found is when I return to this series is I almost greet Royce and Hadrian like old friends. <laughs> yeah, mm, definitely. Um, it, and that's something you see spoken of quite a lot about, about them. And I think for fantasy characters, that's something that easily ranks them up as one of my sort of in, within my top five fantasy characters, fantasy certainly yeah. character duos. Oh, yeah. Duos, for sure. I think that's a very common sentiment across a lot of our our Twitter sphere that we that we have seen. Um, I don't think it's any spoiler to say what's on the back of the book. You have Royce Melbourne, who is a skilled thief, and you have Adrian Blackwater, who is a mercenary and, and they're best friends, basically. And they make a living together carrying out um different assignments jobs tasks and and then this story kicks off when they're hired for a very specific task of stealing a famous sword and then that kind of throws them in the middle of this whole conspiracy plots they just get thrown into the middle of it and i think that's another thing that makes this friendship so charming as as well they've known each other for so long and as they get deeper and deeper into these conspiracies and they become more and more important <laughs> in the in the world around them it, it's just kind of funny to watch them get gain that notoriety while they also ha- are always these uh, kind of you know friends that are bantering and getting into hijinks and and you know they know each other's faults and things like that so to see them thrust into this is such a it, it, it builds their character it's it's amazing <laughs> yeah 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 i just love these duos that have those it's like they have a ton of differences but underlying it is that level of just trust where it's like look i have trouble understanding you and why you are the way that you are but I just know that underneath it all is that deep sense of care for me and whatever you're doing, I'm going to trust you because you have things that I don't and you can see things that I am unable to see. And it's like, those are su- those are such amazing friendships and it's depicted through Hadrian and Royce so well. And I freaking love roguish characters. So <laughs> Royce is a character that I just have gravitated <laughs> toward so much i i mean and this is one let's uh, 
let's be really I read this one years and years ago way before the podcast and I it was one that I was like thinking about who do I banter with like uh, <laughs> you know not probably not at the level of Royce and Hadrian but <laughs> I was like this kind of reminds me of me and Charles uh-huh. <laughs> so I yeah I texted Charles like right after and I was like dude you gotta check this book out and he did because yes I read it on your recommendation yes (laughs) yes yeah it was a great yeah so it was so fun and so awesome Peter to be bringing you into the fold here and get to to be friends talking fantasy with each other so it's all about it is and I actually uh, as you mentioned that I actually got that kind of vibe between you and Charles. Oh, um, Peter. Oh. You know, you get that you get that kind of thing, and you know, that's it's wonderful. I think that's a um, it is such a tick in the box of for Michael J. Sullivan for yeah. how well he he writes characters, but specifically these ones, uh, Royce mm-hmm. and Hadrian in in Dear Towards You. Agreed. And it, it's just something about the way they've been sort of together for for so long as you sort of as you work your way through and and then you wonder about what they've been up to for all that time yeah and yeah it's a great sign of a duo and a novel when you feel like you're being brought in to their relationship and you feel like you're getting a peek into their history and their chemistry and their inside jokes and their banter and when it feels like you're part of it and you're laughing with them or or laughing at their situations like this then they're laughing well, when they're laughing at their situation like if they're <laughs> stuck in a prison together they're like oh here we are again and you're like oh these guys <laughs> so it's uh, it's um it's 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 got this element to it that you really feel like you're part of the part of their experience and it's and I think that's why so many people get such a kick out of reading these novels is to watch them go through that. But Royce and Adrian are not the only two people in the Raira revelations, guys. <laughs> There's so many oh, no. more characters out there in this book. And Peter, one of the things we talked about literally right before turning on these mics was this idea of, you know, everyone says, oh, Raira revelations, great fantasy duo in Royce and Adrian. But something that we wanted to make sure we talked about on this episode was all of the fantastic secondary characters that have found their ways onto these pages. And Peter, I was wondering if there was a, a few that stuck out to you or, or maybe what make what makes these secondary characters in a book that so strongly has uh main characters in Royce and Adrian shine out I right so the first character that always comes to mind with the the Raya the Raya revelations mm-hmm. is it's got to be Arista mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is an example of a first of all a very well-drawn character who it almost feels like she she kind of goes her own way. It's, it's like um, Michael didn't. Um, Michael wrote this character, and she kind of goes off on her own hand. And and that's it's wonderful in certain scenes and what you discover about her. Mm-hmm. And and something I love about Arista is just her determination. <laughs> yeah. She's so determined to yes. um, succeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yes. <laughs> Yes, I I always love the 
proactive and the relentless and the like the characters that show initiative so I definitely gravitated toward her for those same reasons Peter she's she's a fantastic character and she has such an amazing journey throughout so this is a pretty long series it's got those like uh, books that got mushed together and so you know what I'm talking about there's like the first two books got mushed together it's like the crown conspiracy and Avon Partha if I'm yes I'm saying that right got mushed together into theft of swords and so on for the next uh, two books right it was released as a trilogy but each book has two books in it so it's six books and like in total, just released in, in a trilogy format. Yeah. And yeah. such a journey we go on with all of these characters. And she has, I think, one of the most interesting and like most, I guess, change inducing uh, journeys. And that comes, I think, from Peter, that determination that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with that statement, of course. And, but again, I just, I just admire her, and she does. She has a wonderful yeah. arc as a character across yeah. all, all well, three books or six books, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> uh, um, she, um, you know, she has a wonderful arc. Definitely, and I also appreciate it. You know, when you have such a charismatic, you know, ma- like duo in Royce and Adrian, it's always nice to have a character that can stick out so much on their own and have their own energy separate from <laughs> separate from what they're getting themselves into uh Royce and Adrian are getting themselves into and it's it just adds to this world and we have you know three we have a whole trilogy here six six books and the amount of story that we get beyond just oh Royce and Adrian and their shenanigans is really rich in this world so all these secondary characters play such an important part and the the story itself also something that we wanted to talk about is as we mentioned at the beginning the the kind of Royce and Adrian take a job that gets them thrust into all of the all of these shenanigans and conspiracies and you can't have a good conspiracy without plot twists and turns along the way and that's something that i think yeah. gets a little bit like i think Royce and Adrian kind of shadow like what all the other amazing things in this book, including all of these these amazing plot developments, plot twists in this story. it's it, it really adds a lot to this trilogy and really what helps it propel into such a you know well-loved, often recommended series. Yeah. Um, again, with plot twists, again, not sort of dropping anywhere near spoiler territory, but <laughs> right. there, there are yeah, there is yeah, this is one of the things I admire Michael for is the way he he writes the books but there is a, a very immediate plot twist in the in the sort of the opening sort of like 50 sort of 100 pages mm-hmm. um of, mm-hmm. of uh, theft of swords which it kind of throws the story into a complete conundrum and as you've been alluding to charles it's, it's about that sort of conspiracy and that sort of the wider issues facing mm-hmm. the uh the world of Ilan. Um, and it is such a it's the, the the plot twists that you encounter in this series, they're they're almost joyful to, to <laughs> yeah. read. It, it's almost it's it's like oh my god, my god, no, what has just happened? Yes. <laughs> and then you really you realize 
that um yeah it's not always a good thing it's not always a good thing but it's <laughs> it's it's one it's just wonderful it, it's just it's kind of it's such a smooth kind of um experience you in in the um in the books I, I agree so much, Peter. And that joyful is such a great yes, word for joyful. it. And I think it's like, I just remember these moments. And I guess it, it reminds me of the experience of reading Brandon Sanderson books too, where it's like, you see all of these pieces that you were like, that seem disparate. And then all of a sudden you reach this point where Michael ties it all together at once and you're like, I'm overloaded with how like satisfied and joyful and how it's like, oh my God, all of this at once. How did you like, it, these all seem like separate strings. How'd you tie them all together? And I, yeah, joyful is a, is a great way to describe it, Peter. It's, I, I remember something in those moments. <laughs> yeah, no, joyful is excellent. And comparing them to Sanderson also it is interesting as well, because something that I think of when I see all of these twists and and turns and and these sanderson-esque stories i also am reminded of like okay there's this idea of the reader experience and authors like sanderson and authors like michael sullivan it's like hey the reading experience is this should be fun they should have these uh these revelations these moments where you're like whoa oh my goodness Mm. this is amazing how this has come together this moment of like okay i'm gonna like leave clues for them and then tie together at the end it's like you know it's one of those things that as an author when you go through that it makes the reading experience just so enjoyable and so much fun and you're like oh there's payoff at the end it's like not every not every author sets out to do that but michael sullivan and sanderson within the two like and where they overlap is that they often deliver on this like hey there's gonna be these these aha moments and these these joyful moments and these intrigue moments that really will make all of these clues you're reading along the way all these little bits and pieces you're leading on the way pay off in in a big way for you as the reader and i just love when books do that it's it's not easy to do and it's just so as you said joyful when you when all the pieces click together and you didn't realize it and all of a sudden it it comes together in a major way it's it's an experience that as a reader you're always chasing i think it so I, that alone is just highly recommended. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, the things that makes the books so satisfying to read as well. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not sure who did it first, but you know, um, I, I certainly read Michael J. Sullivan before I read, um, majorly read, uh, Brandon Sanderson. Oh, so, interesting. So, um, Again, that that satisfaction of a story, a well put together story, clicking together very, very slow. Well, not always slowly. Sometimes very quickly, but then very slowly. And um, I've got a special term for it when we talk mm. about lighter. But um, but um, yeah. again, um, it's a um, it's so satisfying just when it all kind of comes together and you read it and you realise, huh. <laughs> we're here yeah. i want to hear the term yeah the term peter. Oh, we want to hear just, it. just a tease peter what we call the what term. Uh, we call the well, podcast biz a tease we gotta hear that <laughs> right well the term i have for this is is that michael j sullivan is a master of what i call turning the screw mm. so Ooh. this is a this is a story that it starts starts small, quite small quite insular because you you follow Royce and Hadrian 
and then stuff happens and then the world kind of opens up and everything falls into place while he's turning turning but he's turning it so slowly mm. and then and then things happen <laughs> <laughs> yes suddenly it just clicks right it's finally yeah. in and that moment and that is kind of that moment of satisfaction when you're you are actually turning a screw and you're like okay it's in there and then you're kind of back away like oh yeah nice that's such a great term Pierre. i see i feel like charles is writing it down right now (laughs) well i'm not right i i am taking a very strong note of it and i was going to say you know this is why you have to you follow peter uh both on twitter and on his blog because these are some hot takes that only a a strong blogger familiar with the fantasy genre can can drop on you i was not ready for that (laughs) this this idea of turning the (laughs) screw but it make it's uh, so true and it's like like Dylan says, like you can feel it, like where it's fitting together, and then it grips, and then it's you, you, you see the end, and it comes through, and wow, it's it's very well said, Peter. I, I like that phrase. I'm glad we didn't wait. The, the tease was worth it. Very, very much Sullivan of you. <laughs> My hastiness had me uh, coming in with the like, okay, yeah, like let's hear it now, though. So. <laughs> right yes thanks peter cool. that's gonna be in the lexicon i think now yeah. <laughs> excellent <laughs> it's spreading which is exciting and it's it's adding to uh our world building which leads us into another discussion Ooh. topic that we wanted Beautiful to make seg. sure thank you thank you i wanted to make right. sure we talked about no fantasy book is complete without an exceptional world built around it and and what has struck Dylan and I when we've talked about the world building for Michael J. Sullivan and a lot of more modern fantasy authors is how much do they embrace the high fantasy setting? How much do they embrace the grimdark setting? Mm-hmm. And how do they bring their voice into a genre that's been so well established since like The Lord of the Rings? And we always thought that the Rayer Revelations was this it, it succeeded in being very modern feeling, but it had all of the charms and delivered on all the promises of a high fantasy setting as well. And Peter, I wanted to get your sense of the greater world building of the Rayer Revelations and and how you would describe, you know, what what is this setting? What is this world? What was Michael Sullivan's approach? And how does it stand out in the fantasy genre amongst so many other pillars in the in the fantasy world? Okay. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the Raya revelations kind of, certainly for me, so it occupies sort of several kind of different sort of subgenres of fantasy in terms of world building. It, when you read the books, you'll get uh, this kind of sense, but it, it, it starts off in a kind of more like an urban setting. So you have quite sort mm-hmm. of like urban fantasy, mm-hmm. but then it kind of, you, you know, it's in this world. This, this world and turn the books over or the, you read in an ebook and you you see the map of Ilan and you see the specifics you realize that this is a big world mm. and then it starts off small and then it envelopes and then you get the mm. you get the high fantasy um with various aspects that we will not mention because we'll start entering spoiler territory <laughs> um, <laughs> and um but then there is there's that element of um, of grimdark in there, mm. because the there are some 
very well delivered fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can become quite violent and quite, yes, yeah. quite nasty. And there are some quite nasty bits in places in places where it's like <laughs> um and um <laughs> and um it it, it, occup- it occupies a quite a special place in that respect. But in the terms of the world in terms of the world building, it's again that turning of the screw where Ooh. it starts off small and it, it just it it develops and it becomes it, it just becomes extraordinary where it's slowly it's slow you slowly discover what's going on and what the stakes and what needs to be done i i agree completely for me yeah, i always awesome. have this very well said and one of the conversations i always have like internally it's like okay what is grimdark and what is just the modern style of writing for an author like being more honest about the violent aspects of fantasy and this series the Raira revelations toes the line really well and it's like you you like you said peter the story starts so small it's basically like royce and adrian in a room okay and then it, it, it gets bigger and bigger and it's like oh i have a job for you and then the job gets bigger and bigger and you get these like interesting elements of violence and, and fighting thrown in and and these interesting characterization moments and you're like wow this story it's it's hard to categorize it in one level. It's just so honestly itself. And I think that's just mm. like as much praise as I can give for world building a fantasy novel in this day and age. It's like, hey, if your world building is really good and your characters are really good, then you'll draw on elements as you'll need to. And it will just unfold naturally into this world. And to be able to craft these characters and maps and settings in such a way where that's where that can happen is a real success. And I think that's why Michael Sullivan, who these books were, you know, released independently. And I think that's how they like just snowballed into this mass release and they're now, you know, published works as well. So I I think that's just a huge part of its success. And I think um, one of the attractions of, of the uh, the series is it is that kind of, it it has those wonderful classic fantasy vibes. Yes. and that's where that's where kind of where Michael really draws you in with that that classic fantasy setting, the vibes, and then he works his his magic. <laughs> yes, in every sense of the word. And I think that it's like I that that's such a great point, Peter, because this series sticks out both for that high fantasy setting and then that honestly itself bit that Charles was talking about. I was like, this thing was one of the books. It was my main recommendation when we did, I think like recommendations for fans of Lord of the Rings. And so much of that is that high fantasy setting. Uh, And, you know, it just things like dwarves and stuff in the world. And we're not used to that with these elements of like, these kind of like silly bantery friends and like very modern feeling dialogue and all that kind of stuff. And, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think Michael Sullivan wrote this for his daughter and kind of was just like, uh, yeah, I see Peter's nodding over there. So <laughs> say that's yeah. uh, right. He wrote this for his <laughs> daughter and it, I think it was to like help her with reading. So he was just having fun with it. And 
you see that. And I think that's where it comes through with all of these, like, honestly, itself moments. I love that, Charles. I write Thank that you. one down. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, these honestly itself moments. And then that balance of that high fantasy saying you're bringing up Peter as well as the, the yeah, this unbelievable duo. It's just a special place as, as I think all of us are kind of saying in this yeah. genre. Certainly. And while we're talking about recommendations, I think we should just roll with that because one of the things that we also wanted to bring up in this, because it is spoiler free and we're trying to get people to read this series as well as sing its praises, is maybe provide some recommendations or some like similar series that may be maybe a good jumping off point or a jumping towards point. And Dylan, you had mentioned The Lord of the Rings. And I was wondering if you could just go a little bit further into like what exactly about the Lord of the Rings is appealing to uh, fans of Michael J. Sullivan or vice versa. Oh, you're saying like who should. Okay. I feel like go like, should you go back and read the Lord of the Rings if you (laughs) really liked? Uh, I, I think that if you, I was thinking more from the reverse, like the you most people have probably read the Lord of the Rings or watched the movies and then come to Michael Sullivan's work. But I do think you could go back because uh, that, that's what I did, yeah. I guess, because I'm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, let me read this stuff. It's like, oh, Lord of the Rings, whatever. Like, that's so, I do like Lord of the Rings, everyone. Um, <laughs> but <It's> like- <laughs> the thing is, yes, <laughs> the thing is that, yeah, I think that if you're going from the Raira revelations to Lord of the Rings, it's for this context piece of like, look, there's no way Raira, I mean, I don't know Michael Sullivan, but I bet if you asked him, would there be a Raira revelations without the Lord of the Rings? He'd probably say, no. Like, (laughs) there's the influence feels too odd, right? Tolkien brought these high fantasy things into the the fantasy genre he brought a lot into the fantasy genre that we're still having fun with and i think that's what michael sullivan's doing is he's having fun with these things you know just writing a thing for his daughter having fun and then he's looking back at the lord of the rings so i think that's i guess that that was kind of what i did so i you know read the stuff that michael sullivan was having fun with and go back and be like oh okay he probably read this and was like well, let's see let's see what happens when i give it the michael sullivan spin <laughs> yeah i have a, i have one more series i like for that i would recommend well um, first uh peter do you yeah. have any reaction to the lord of the rings uh michael sullivan right revelations connection um i would probably recommend it to anyone who has read the lord of the rings sure um um and and I, I have to, I sort of completely agree with you, Dylan, about the sort of the comparisons and the, not the comparisons as such, the um, the things you will find that you enjoyed about The Lord of the Rings, you might find within Michael J. Sullivan. I think it's an important point maybe to say that you you might enjoy this. Yeah, you, um, that's fair. <laughs> if, you, um, if you did that, because um, if I know fantasy readers, then they're <laughs> people's tastes opinions and thoughts are always going to be different and um, your mileage may vary (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so dylan you had a you had another recommendation for us you want to get out there 
Well, we just read The Shadow of the Gods by mm. the incredible John Gwynn, and we record an episode on that with the incredible Sam book in hand. And uh, that was so much fun. And mm. I... Yeah, I was thinking this kind of like special place in the fantasy genre that draws from some of these old school world building elements, high fantasy elements and things like that. And uh, while bringing in that more like some of these grimdark elements, some of this intense violence and that just sitting in that balance in a place that's, uh, geez, Charles, what did you say? Like uh, something itself. But it's like honestly itself. It's, uh, honestly, I itself. wrote it down, it's so like, I remember. Yes, I know. <laughs> See, that's that's, uh, <laughs> that's why this works. So I it, I feel like both. You know, it's a totally different setting, a totally different world. You know, we've got that like Nordic setting from John Gwynn's work, so don't expect it to be this high fantasy medieval setting. But just this like wonderfully itself merger of the older mysticism and like uh, high fantasy stuff with the more modern feel that we've been talking about. I think both John Gwynn's work, at least what we've only read the shadow of the God so far, but uh, from what I've read of it and what I've heard from all sorts of folks on Twitter and stuff, as well as um, the, the wonderful work of Michael Sullivan's like the merger of those two elements. So I'm like, those two are the connection that I see. Interesting. And I know, Peter, that The Faithful and the Fallen is a series that you've listed on your blog as one of your favorite fantasy series. So I'm wondering what your reaction, like, if you have any comparison points between John Gwynn's work and Michael Sullivan's work here in the Raya Revelations. Uh, well, firstly, I'm really shocked that you ha- neither of you have read the um, the Faithful and the Fallen. <laughs> I, know, I, I, know. I think a lot of people that listen to us <laughs> are. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm just like, oh, um, uh, oh we'll get there. It's yeah, been recommended yeah. countless times, <laughs> uh, and you are I one of those see, strong voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can okay. see it on the shelf. I can see it on the shelf. Eyeing <laughs> <laughs> it longingly, us, like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but, um, the, oh, oh, right. Okay. No, let's just get back to the question. He's, he's <laughs> trying to resist the urge to throw the faithful and the volunteers through a Zoom call <laughs> across the pond here yes, into the US. Yeah. yeah. That would be an almighty throw yeah. um, if it did happen. <laughs> With, but, um, with, uh, how much I feel like you want to, you might be able to make it. Yeah. So. Oh, no, well, I've got, I can't, I can't get easily at the moment, so. um, but the sort of comparison between michael and and john is a, is an interesting one certainly with the um the the high fantasy the high fantasy world which is again as i've alluded to in my blog is that genius of secondary creation mm-hmm. where an author and this is for the benefit of people listening to the podcast who might not um understand what that term means is the is the the term is used to where an author takes a setting and blends it with a a fantasy setting so that you get that otherworldly but potentially familiar sensation or feel when you read read the book and the faithful and the fallen is an amazing example of that Mm. um Mm. it's definitely that high fantasy um comparison with the uh, the raiiri revelations i would see Mm-hmm. And also that 
if you if you were if you're looking for recommendations, you would come for the the amazing characters, the the world building, the and also a a very good story. Yeah. That's That's well well said, Dylan. I hope you are taking notes through that. (laughs) That that doesn't happen very often, (laughs) me taking notes. But I was was thinking genius of secondary creation. Was that the Mm. line you dropped, Peter? I'm like, yeah, you, Charles, since you have your notebook over, yeah, I see him writing it down. So (laughs) uh, that is so true. So true, Peter. And I think that's, that's brilliant. Um, Yeah. I think you're adding a lot of these these phrases that might be coming up i know we're getting educated here this is fantastic i'd say i have one last comparison between michael and john okay (laughs) having only read shadow of the gods as we all now know we've been outed uh but i will say that what i really liked about shadow of the gods that i also really like about raira revelations is i feel like a lot of times with modern authors there's a lot of pressure to jump into the grimdark aspects or maybe jump into the morally gray aspects of a character or like rogue characters, whatever, of which all these books have. But what it also does is it embraces some of these classic fantasy elements and recognizes like, hey, there's some of these mythologies and creatures and characters that are just a lot of fun that can still exist in a modern world where we're telling the violence in a very honest way and we're getting deep into the characterization of these characters and they're not all totally virtuistic, but there's still very fun things about classic fantasy that I don't want to lose when I'm writing this story. And both of these authors nail that so well. So you have all of these fun world building elements, all of these cool creatures and things or you know, duos and relationships and kings and all that. But then you also have this very modern story portrayal of like we discussed the violence can be quite shocking and and the philosophical debates are very modern in both of these works so and the characters and the characterizations are also very modern but it's these fun elements of what makes fantasy entertaining and what has made fantasy fun since lord of the rings that shine brightly in both of these series so that to me is a comparison that i see between them can I throw one last yes one last recommendation throw in as much as you'd like Peter we're here because I've been thinking about it and then it's got that if you want if you want a nice comparison or a a series you recommend to someone of the Rario Reclamations Revelation this again comes off the bat of a good story and a a well-developed world I'm always Always, and don't give me too much stick for this. Going to say the King Killer Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss. Oh. Give you stick? Come on. <laughs> Do you know what show you're on? <laughs> yes, we love the King Killer Chronicle. Um, I know. I know. I, yes. <laughs> no, I know. Marianne, you said uh, the magic words. I, I'll give you a little. Uh, I mentioned. Oh, it's the comparison oh, video. <laughs> sorry, yeah. my son. So for our listeners, I do this sometimes when we have guests on is I'll throw like background videos on the Zoom call. I wish I wish you wonderful listeners could see this picture of me. It's uh, me when I grew out my beard really long, trying to be like Patrick Rothfuss. I'm wearing like a same navy blue shirt as him. 
it's like a famous Rothfuss picture. And I will have to say that that Patrick Rothfuss, author of the wonderful Kingkiller Chronicle, does rock a beard much better than me. Uh, as oh, yeah. do two of the two people I'm in this Zoom call with, also two two wonderful beards. Um, <laughs> well, you, you both are rocking it. The so. two kind, yeah. two kind. You really are. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, we love the Kingkiller Chronicles. But Peter, I'm curious to hear you connected to the Raiera revelations because for me, on I, I didn't make the connection, but I'm very interested, and I, I think I know where you're going. But I'd love to hear where this recommendation is coming from. Um. Well, um, you would you would look at it at the same with some, there are some wonderful characters in the King of Local. Um, it, is, it is a very well-developed world. Mm-hmm. It, um, and you, you would, when you, if you read it, you would enjoy the writing as much as you might enjoy the writing within um, the Ryu Revelations. I think mm-hmm. they both have, what I might like to describe as a very nice, easy, accessible writing style, hmm. which um, it helps it helps ease the reader in to a um, to something they may be not familiar with. That, that's that's well said. I would because to me, their like their voices as authors are so different, but they what they have in common is they both have this charm about them and it's that charm that is so inviting and and is so you know unpretentious and so direct in a way that is approachable to a lot of readers and that's a really interesting connection i agree completely it's it's so interesting to because i guess i don't usually think of patrick rothfuss's writing as necessarily like accessible because I get caught up on this like idea of it as like the beautiful prose the but but it's but that is what makes it accessible is like you forget you're reading a, like you you just lose yourself in it right mm. you just kind of are like yeah. oh wow this is just kind of like being told a story and and I, I do see that connection to the accessibility of Michael Sullivan's writing too so you kind of mm. You blew my mind a little bit there, Peter. I'm gonna be honest because I'm like, oh. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. I can call Rothfuss's writing accessible and be and feel like I'm being correct. I was like, yes, I can. So, yeah, because you can have yeah. a high fantasy world that you feel like, oh, that's a detail I gotta kind of. Do I have to remember that detail? Is that gonna yeah. be a clue for later? Is this a character that's gonna come back or not? But when you're reading Rothfuss and he's going like, oh, but but you're like, oh yeah, this is so good, and you always just get a sense of the scene. And Michael Sullivan as well, you're just enjoying the moments of being in there, and right. you're not too concerned about. Is this a clue? Is this a character that's, you know, going to come back? Is this a world building element? (laughs) It is. And it always pays off. And again, that's that reading experience I love to talk about. It's like it will and you just can read it and appreciate it on on face value. And it's you don't have to get lost in the details of either of these stories. Like the details present themselves in ways that we can enjoy them through the narrative and not have to like be reading that much deeper to figure it out, which you can if you'd like to. And, the, you know, there's tons of like content creators mm. focused on theorizing 
for King Killer Chronicles. And there's plenty you could in the first book of Rhaeer yes. Revelations try and predict for the next two. There's no end to that. But it's certainly not a requirement <laughs> for the reading experience and to enjoy the story. And that's such an interesting comparison, Peter. I- I'm like talking myself more and more into it as I'm going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, every time Dylan speaks, I have got, they've got this wonderful picture that comes up of... Roth was there and then Dylan there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, I, I have to, I've got to say it, it's 10 out of 10 for effort, Dylan. Oh, there you go. Effort, right? I know, that's yeah, exactly 10 out of 10 it. For effort. Yeah, no, <laughs> yes, 10 out of 10 for effort. effort. Like, yeah. you can still see the part. Like, I was talking before we started recording, I was talking to Peter and Charles about this. It's like, you can see that my mustache doesn't actually connect to my beard despite months and months of trying. And, uh, yeah, Rothfuss is killing it, though. So yeah, yeah. it's funny. It's like Maybe Dylan's expounding all this wisdom, and yet when he pops up, we see this you know hilarious but amazing photo in the background. <laughs> so it's <laughs> trying to you have to post it, Dylan. Be, uh, so uh, so people will know okay. what we're talking about, and that's something you yeah. can take a note on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I guess like I'll I'll give a recommendation, and this one might be coming out of left field here a little bit, but it wouldn't be an episode of Friends Talking Fantasy if we didn't talk about the King Killer Chronicles and also the work of Joe Abercrombie. And I'm bringing wow. up Joe Abercrombie only because of the charm and the humor. Uh, they're very different kinds of books. But I will say the characters in both, you know, Abercrombie's work and in the Rhaeer Revelations, just listening to them talk to each other and listening to the narration is funny. They're not telling jokes to each other, but the moments they're in and the things they say make you feel like you're along for the ride with them and you're laughing and you're like, oh, that's clever. Or, oh, I get why that's a joke. Like, I recognize that Abercrombie's telling a joke through the way he's he's writing this character's narration. Same thing with Rhaeer Revelations. Like it's like you said, it opens and one's just apologizing to the other one. It's like that's inherently funny, and it only goes further from there as you get to know them and you get to catch on to some of these isms that they go through as part of their relationship. And I just very few authors' voices in the genre present humor in that way. And I think that's just why the connection between the two of them is so strong for me. I mean, Abercrombie's telling, you know, different kinds of stories than than is that's in the Raira revelations, but just the humor between characters and dialogue is is very strong between the two of them. So that's why I am making that connection and making those recommendations. That's a very um, that's a very very interesting comparison actually, Charles. <laughs> it, um, again, not having read much of Abercrombie, confession. Oh time, boy, it's the tables uh, have turned now. I'm going to try and throw <laughs> yeah, no, all of the like, first yeah. law through the Zoom call through the pond here. I think Dylan has left his chair. He's going to his bookshelf. There he is. He's back. Right, right. <laughs> oh, he's got a, he's got an armful of books. <laughs> But you were saying, Peter, I just got, we had, we had to, we had to do that. <laughs> had to do that. I know, it's all right. It's, no, no, uh, it's, uh, it, that's, 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 um, um, but the, Joe Abercrombie has this wonderful, um, this wonderful way he, he tells his stories, which is, again, is akin to Michael Sullivan, where they're particularly with the, um, 
the first trilogy. Um, yeah, the first law. The first the law. Itself. The first law trilogy. Yeah. Um, which again is is an interconnected series of books, but you don't realize this, particularly when you're reading the first um, the first book, because it's kind of quite into to begin with, and then yeah, and then oh my goodness me, does it um, open up yes. into a yeah. well, frankly, it is it's not very nice. But you know, <laughs> we wouldn't. Huh? We wouldn't call. We don't call. A, we don't call Joe Abercrombie Lord Grimdark for no reason. <laughs> I was gonna say, Peter, you need to give He's your disclaimer that. again of like, look, everyone has different tastes. <laughs> but just because you liked uh, Raya Revelations or you liked Abercrombie does not mean you, you like them both necessarily. It's. <laughs> I think it's like that, Aberc- Abercrombie. Especially that first trilogy is very grimdark, as we know, and very and grimdark comes with a level of of cynicism. Mm-hmm. And I think that Michael Sullivan brings a level of optimism and hopefulness to mm-hmm. the like. But it's kind of this like you do have all these disparate things. You're like, what is all of this building toward? And then in Sullivan, he's more optimistic and hopeful. But let's let's be real here. Uh, just about every fantasy author, I feel like, is uh, more optimistic and hopeful than some of. What, well, I don't know. I guess maybe we did. There's some that get rated more grimdark on that. We mentioned that Mark Lawrence poll in our "Where to Start with Grimdark" episode, mm-hmm. and uh, some books get rated more grimdark than the first law. So I guess that's fair. But uh, not a lot of books get rated more grimdark than the first law. So you do expect. Yes, both of them will tie all the threads together. But it's uh, Joe Abercrombie is going to be more cynical about how he does it. So, yeah, it's just interesting. That's why I love getting all these different perspectives, because it's like I would never have thought to say Joe. I mean, and I'm pretty quick to say Joe Abercrombie and I'm pretty quick to say Kinkiller Cronkle, but I never would have thought to say those. And both of you did. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so bef- I feel like we're working our way towards the end of this conversation here. But before we do, I just wanted to turn it back to you guys. And, and I, I guess, Peter, do you have any closing thoughts about the Rayer revelations? Anything else you want to bring up or maybe uh, make sure someone who hasn't read the Rayer revelations yet um, should be aware of before we wrap it up today? Someone who hasn't read the Raya Revelations before, right? Okay, just be prepared to to enter a a classic fantasy world, and Michael will pull you in, and you will discover the worlds of Michael J. Sullivan. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> Really is. Yeah, you know, I can see, (laughs) I can see you being like, "How do I say this without spoiling all these amazing things?" So, yeah, yeah, appreciate that, Peter, and well said. Yes, well said, and thank you for bringing that home for us because 
it's true. We don't want to get into spoiler territory, but we got to say, look, you're going to enter this awesome fantasy world and just be prepared for the Sullivan uh, reading experience here. But we're telling you guys, we all read it. We all loved it. We all thought it paid off and we all recommend it highly. So, Oh, yes. (laughs) The Right Hero Revelations by Michael J. Sullivan, recommended by the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast and friend of the show, Peter the Swordsmith. Peter, thank you so much for coming on and educating us on all these fascinating terms and for contextualizing Rayera Revelations for all the listeners out there. We thank you for your time and your expertise as a fantasy blogger. Thank you. Yes. Well, it's been a genuine honor to um be with you oh. both um and to talk uh fantasy with you both um i um i think i'll go down and say that i, I love listening to your podcast oh. and um yeah. you know congratulations on the um doing it for one year so yeah. far yes and <laughs> um, long long meeting you and um it has i think i know i'm probably going to repeat myself but it's been an honor just to be on here and just talk fantasy with you both um peter Peter, it's an absolute honor to have you on and to talk fantasy with you our friend so like that's what this has always been about Mm -hmm. and we just love doing it you added all these new phrases that charles has written down wherever he keeps all this stuff (laughs) and it's like the yeah we're gonna be coming back to all all of that i just yeah and i uh, i just am so happy that you it came on and got to chat with us this is really awesome it, it is awesome again with with the uh the friends talking fantasy <laughs> it's what it's all about just it's just brilliant well thank you so much it's always an awesome opportunity when we can go from the twitter sphere to talking on the show and we've had so much fun just communicating with you and other fantasy bloggers as well and guys you gotta check out peter the swordsmith both on twitter and on his blog at the swordsmith so we are gonna link both of those in the description you definitely want to check those out and guys we've done it i hope we've done justice to the raya revelations i think we have if you have if you've made it to the end of this episode like and you're not convinced to read it well i don't know what else we can do (laughs) thank you all so much for listening peter thank you again for your time this has been such a pleasure and as always guys go forth and conquer friends